So let's move then. Let's go to John chapter three. We got a little time. We're gonna deal. We're gonna try to finish um, this this ministry of the Spirit called regeneration, uh, better known in many circles as being born again or born from above. And this uh, is a very important doctrine, as we've discussed before. We, we went through all the scriptures. Now we landed in John chapter three. I just wanted to bring to your attention. Uh, the story of, with uh, Christ and Nicodemus. He says in 3.1, this is John 3.1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of the water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Now this is where we ended last time. And so we'll pick up in verse 7. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now why should Nicodemus now be surprised? Because he's a teacher. He's a teacher. Can you imagine if you went to school and your teacher didn't know what they were supposed to know? You'd be surprised. You'd think, wow, I'm here to learn from you, and you don't know? Well, Nicodemus should have known. Now, I've talked to people about this, and you know, and I said that people in the Old Testament should have known about being born again. How do I know? Jesus says it here. I'm sure he's, he's not just saying these words. He's saying, uh, I'm surprised. You should, you should not be surprised at, me saying, at my saying, you must be born again. And, and so what he's saying is he's surprised at uh, Nicodemus's lack of understanding. We'll come to more of that later in verse 10. You must be born again. Verse 8. And here's interesting. Verse 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. Now why give this illustration about the wind? Why? It is likened to being born of the Spirit. This is what it is to be born of the Spirit. He's giving you an analogy what it's like. It's like the wind. It's not like going into your mother's womb and coming out again. That, that's not it. That's physical, physical birth. Now he's talking about a spiritual birth. What's it like, Jesus? Well, here's what it's like. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You cannot hear its sound, but you, you can hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, you, being, it's a mis, it, when we say it's invisible, but real. The wind is invisible, but it's real, isn't it? You can't see the wind. You can't tell. You know, I can't look and just, and I can hear it, and I can feel it, but I cannot see it. It is invisible to me. I can see the effects of the wind, but I cannot actually uh, see the air. Like, you see the air in here? No. 
it, it just looks normal. So here, this is likened to the spiritual birth. The spiritual birth comes invisibly. It, it is not something we see physically with our eyes. But it is experienced. You will know there will be a difference when you are born again. There will be a difference. What, what will be the main difference that, that will happen when a person is born again? What do you think that will be? The main difference. He won't sin no more? He crosses over from death to life. But what about in that person's life, personally speaking? What, 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 will there be any differences in that person's life? You think? Hmm? He could see. Oh, nothing he could see. But now, the wind, you can feel the wind, right? You can tell the wind is there. It's real, right? But you can't see it. So he's given that analogy. So he says, so it is with everyone who was born of the Spirit. There's going to be something, some evidence in your life of regeneration. You're going to see God. Seek God. Yes. In your spirit, you probably will want to see God. Remember, what is being born again? Being born again is you were born with spiritually dead, right? What, what does spiritual death mean? It means you're separated from God. You have an inability to understand spiritual things. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man cannot receive the things from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them. That's what it says. Now, if he cannot understand them, that means there's a whole lot of information that's really it's a closed book to him. It's unavailable to him. Not because... He's not eager to learn because he's spiritually dead. There's a limitation in spiritual death. The new birth recreates that spirit. So a definition of the new birth, we could say the Holy Spirit creates creates a human spirit. Okay, so that's, <clears throat> so that's something that actually happens in the new birth. When it says we're born again, that's the technical definition. The Holy Spirit creates in us a human spirit. Now, before we were dead. We did not have, death means you did not have a human spirit. Some people say, well, remember we had this whole thing. Well, the human spirit is not, is not, not is non-existent. It is, it is there, but it is dead. So I said, okay. So the human spirit is dead. And so, because the Holy Spirit comes, and there's another word that, that is used, He quickens our. He quickens us. What does that mean? That's like an old English word, but really means it is to give life. To give life. That's what it is. Well, that's the same thing. If he, did you have life before? No. You did not have life. So, creates to me is a word. Now, you could say quickens, and let's say Adam had a human spirit. He had a human spirit when he was created. So, when Adam lost his, in other words, he became dead to God, then, and then let's say he was saved, you could say that, yeah, he just made alive his human spirit because Adam was dead, and now he's alive. But Adam was born with a spirit. He was or created with a spirit. 
We, on the other hand, are born dead. We do not have a human spirit. And if we do have a human spirit, if you might say, okay, it's there, but it's dead, I don't know what benefit. Can, does it benefit you? Can you use it? Does it function in any way? No. You cannot understand spiritual things. That's what we just read in 1 Corinthians 2.14. So it doesn't benefit you. It doesn't get you any closer to God. You, because you have a dead spirit, doesn't mean you understand anything spiritual. So it's no good. So that, that human spirit uh, has to be created. That is what regeneration is. That's what it means to be born again. The Holy Spirit creates in us a human spirit. Now that we have a human spirit, we call it the new spiritual birth, what now? We can now understand spiritual things. We can things that are of the spiritual of the, in that spiritual realm, we can now assimilate them, make sense of them. We can understand those things. And what does that mean? That means a, a, the new babe is awakened. Just like a new child. Who is out of the womb? He is. He, God imputes that life to that child, and that child wakes up to the world. And does that child know things? Absolutely, is that child is alive and beaming with life. And that, if nothing else, that child knows that child is alive. He knows he's alive. Now he can't define life. He can't. He doesn't have vocabulary. He's not thinking. But on the most basic level. That child begins to respond, doesn't it? That child begins to respond to its mother, to those around them. That child begins to respond to love. So that child, even on that basic level, God communicates with the new believer. He begins to, to, to nurture that believer and to begin to, to reveal things to that believer. Now, I don't mean to say that you're going to see fireworks and all these different things going on. And other people are looking and they say, I don't see anything. But you do. I'm saying that God begins this new spiritual life. He, he ushers you into this. He gives you this life. And you begin to experience God. Yeah. As you said, part of it is you, you, he develops that hungering and thirsting in you where you now come to be aware of your surroundings. Now you're, and I'll talk about your surroundings, your spiritual surroundings. So that's important to note. You don't have a human spirit, or, or if you do, it's a dead spirit. God has to make it alive. He has to quicken you. He has to create in you a human spirit. That's the technical definition for being born again. And if you don't have that human spirit, then you don't have a spiritual life. You do not. Who has the human spirit? Only those who are born again. Who, who, who are those who are born again? Those who believe that Jesus is the Christ. Well, we can read 1 John 5, 1, and that's part of where we were going to go. 1 John chapter 5, 1 and 2, we can read it. We're really just one, but two we can read as well. This is a good scripture with no exceptions. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's a fact. Now that's a fact. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 
Now, this is a, a true statement. You know what? There are no, no persons who believe in Christ who are not born again. Everyone who believes in Christ is, in fact, born again. I say this to tell you, because when you talk to JWs, Jehovah's Witnesses, they will tell you that no, 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 we're not born again. We, we, only certain people are born again. We, we are not born again. That's what they will tell you. You ought to take them to this verse and read them this verse. It says right here, everyone, does that include you? It includes everyone. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, there's no exceptions. No exceptions. And I, 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 since we're on being born again, we've got to make sure we understand the conditions. And Jesus, we're back in John 3 again. Jesus is going to lay out what the conditions are. He's describing it. So, so is everyone born of the Spirit. So the wind comes. So you will begin to feel the effects of being born again because you will have an awareness of God. You will be awake to God. Before, spiritual things, biblical things meant nothing to you. All of a sudden, something is awakened in you. And now your ears tune up, perk up, whenever there is anything about the Bible, God, angels, Holy Spirit, Jesus mentioned, you want to know about it. See, and that's the difference. So you might say, well, I don't know this, you know, I, I don't feel anything. And that's true. There's no sparks that go off in you all of a sudden. But yes, this awareness comes over you. And God begins. And as you feed that spirit, how do you feed it? What's the food of the spirit? Truth, doctrine. Man must not live by bread alone. Physical body. That bread sustains your physical body. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's food for the spirit. Food for your spiritual life. You need that as a new... And Peter says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. I think that's in First uh, Peter chapter 2. Let's make sure of that. First Peter chapter 2. Just want to see what it says. But this is important for newborn babes. One thing is they need is to grow. First Peter 2, 1. Uh, let's read it. It's really 2, 2. But we'll read 2, 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. That's the goal, is for us to grow up. See, when it just talks about us being born again, the analogy fits because in the Christian way of life, you began your spiritual journey right there at the new birth. And now, the object is for you to grow up. That is what is before you. Peter makes mention of it here, that you ought to crave this pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And you have once you have been become born again. There's more to it. Some people say, well, I'm born again. That's all I need. Nope. There's more. You need more. You need to grow up. Don't just stand there, you know, as a, as a baby. You need to grow. So back to John 3 then. And let's see if we can finish off uh, the thought of the technical definition of being born again. What is it? The Holy Spirit creates in us a human spirit. 
So that human spirit is is the the medium of our communication with God. Right? It is our soul, then our human spirit, and God. Right? What we do, what we understand, is in our soul, and the spirit now makes clear to us spiritual information regarding the spiritual realm. God lives in the spirit. That's why it says, um, "They who worship Him, God." must worship in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. Now we have a spirit to be able to communicate with a spiritual being. Does that make sense? Hopefully. Okay, so verse, verse 9. Nicodemus is still baffled about all of this. So he says, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. So Jesus really begins to chide him there. He says, you are Israel's teacher said Jesus and do you not understand these things so Nicodemus should have understood where Christ was coming from I tell you the truth we speak of we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen but you but you uh, people do not accept our testimony now watch this this is an interesting verse um, Jesus is saying, we speak, we test, we speak of what we know, and we testify of what we have seen. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about things that he has seen and he knows in the Spirit. He's telling Nicodemus, I'm telling you this and you don't believe me. And Nicodemus is saying, how can this be? I'm Jesus said, I'm telling you what I know to be true, what I see. And you don't see it because you are not born again. That's the problem. That's the problem. Let's see what he says here. He says, but, but you do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Notice, you need to be born again to understand heavenly things. Nicodemus didn't get it. All he understood, and first, here he says, uh, I've spoken to you earthly things, and, how did, and you do not believe. In other words, you, you, don't, you, you got a problem. And it could be an authority problem. Because when, per, when a person doesn't understand earthly things, or, or doesn't want to understand, how, he says, how, if I speak of heavenly things, will you understand? No one, and watch this verse 13, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come down from, came from heaven, the Son of Man. So no one has gone into heaven again. Nobody has ever entered into heaven. No man except the one who has come down from heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. Just as mo and then he goes into how, how a person is born again. How faith is exercised in order to be born again. We covered all, a lot of this just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert. We talked about the, the illustration of how all snakes were in the camp and they were biting people. So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. That is a reality. Just like whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
So that is what it means to be born again. It's the Holy Spirit recreating in us or creating in us that human spirit. Now you are alive to God. Now you can understand spiritual things. Now you can get a prayer through. Before you couldn't even pray and God couldn't even hear you because you were dead to God. Now I like that scripture where it says in uh, uh, Romans 3, it says, we have all together become worthless. Worthless. Worthless to who? Worthless to God. There's no use that, that you have when it comes to God. You, you are worthless. Somebody ever call you worthless before? Anybody? If they have, that's pretty demeaning. But what God is really saying is, there's nothing you can do for me. Nothing. It's almost like you going to a grave and asking some one of those people in the grave to do something for you. It is worthless. The dead cannot help the living in any way. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9.5 that the dead know not anything. They don't know anything. They can't tell you any information. There's nothing. You hear all these people going to these seances and all that? No. The dead know not anything. And if you hear something, you may be dealing with demons. So you, you don't need to be playing around when the Bible tells you the dead don't know anything. You need to just accept what the Bible says. And that's it. Know that it would, Satan is a deceiver. And he's trying to lead us astray. So Anyway, we want to get back to this and say this. Before we, before we put being born again to rest, there is another point that is important. Before any, anybody is born, and if we look at physical birth, what happens before a baby is born? What happens? <laughs> there's a process isn't it and it's like the most natural process you know that body is being prepared to deliver that baby right and I and and the Bible talks about it we call it a, a labor right that's what we call it today the Bible calls it another word you know what it is travail Really, it is akin to labor. Okay. Yeah. Travail. So before a, a, a baby is born into this world, the mother has to go through labor. It's a very necessary process. Can you imagine if the mother wanted to have a baby and didn't go through the labor, what would happen? That wouldn't be pretty. That wouldn't be pretty at all. It would really be travail, wouldn't it? So, labor is necessary, isn't it? It is a necessary part of birth. You can't have a birth without this labor. Now, of course, today, what are we doing? We're having C-sections. Right? The woman goes to sleep and she wakes up. Well, all her travail is after birth because now she got to heal. Somebody had to cut her stomach open, literally, and remove the baby. But... The normal natural birth is what we're referring to. It comes with travail. It comes with labor. That's a part of it. That's a part of the process. Now why do we emphasize that? It's because, guess what? When the spiritual birth comes, we also have travail. There's also labor that happens before you can become born again. Now what labor is that? What labor is it that you have to go through or that you go through? Now, is it that, that you have to perform a lot of works? 
repent of sins. You know, if I talk to people, and depending on the, the people that are there, they would say, yeah, absolutely, right, that's right. No, not at all. The labor that we go through is God preparing us, taking us through the process of salvation. The Holy Spirit is enlightening us to the true gospel message. He is dealing with us on that most base level where he can come and witness to our soul what the true issues of the gospel really are. For instance, if you have misconceptions about the gospel, suppose you think it's all about you. You got to do works. You got to earn your salvation. You got to be good. You got to show God that you're good. Now, what, what if you have those thoughts? You think God the Holy Spirit is just going to make you born again all of a sudden? What's he going to do first? He's got to take you through the process. And what's the process? Breaking you down to the point where you understand that it's not about you. Who goes through it? And in fact, that is exactly what Nicodemus is going through. You see it. I just don't understand how this can be. What are you talking about? Jesus said, look, I'm, I know, we, I'm telling you what I know, Nicodemus. I've seen this and you still don't believe me. Nicodemus just, I just, and we don't even know what happened after this. It, it, the story branches off because we don't know whether Nicodemus walks away shaking it. I don't know. I don't get it. I just don't get it. But you know what? Later we realize Nicodemus did get it. He did get it. So you can read in other places in the Bible where Nicodemus now continues to follow after Christ. So Nicodemus, though, had to go through that point of labor. It had to break him down. The Holy Spirit had to break him down to the point where he knew how to depend on Christ for his salvation. Stop depending on yourself and depend on the Lord. That's salvation right there. But unless that happens, you see, God the Holy Spirit doesn't just tell you and let you figure it out for yourself. He shows you over and over how to let go of yourself and depend on Christ. That is the travail process. You need to go through that. And did Paul go through it? And I'm going to just read this real quick and then we'll close. In Romans 7, we see the process illustrated for us by Paul. This is really, really uh, a good way to look at it. And I'll read it to you. And I'm reading from Romans 7 and verse 14. 7 and 14, we'll, we'll just cover uh, how uh, this process of travail does actually happen. Anyway, unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Unspiritual, what's he talking about? Is he saying he's unspiritual sometime or unspiritual all of it? He says, I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. He's talking about himself as he was an unbeliever. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, I, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. It is sin living in me. And not only living in him, but ruling over him. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot.
carry it out. That's impossible. See, he's not saying, sometimes I do what's right, sometimes I do what's wrong. He says, I cannot carry it out. He's powerless to carry it out. Who, who's in control? It's in nature. See? For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, why do you keep on doing it? Because you don't have a choice, Paul. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin. Sin nature is in control, living in me that does it. In Romans 7, 1, it's that husband. If a woman is bound to her husband so long as her husband is alive. Well, who's that husband? The sin nature. right? She's bound. She can't choose any way out of it. Verse 21, so I find the law, a principle at work, and when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. In other words, I'm enlightened. I understand now about, about righteousness and true righteousness, and I yearn to do it, but guess what? I cannot. I, I, I see my condemnation. But I see another law at work in my members, the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. He cannot escape this death sentence that is all over him, this condemnation, this feeling of dread because every time he wants to do what's right, he cannot do it. So verse 24, he tells you the condition of himself. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. Just, just listen to that. Because that is the process of travail that Paul is going through in order to become born again. Now, is this works? No, in fact, it is the opposite of works. He says, I'm trying to do works, but every time I realize, I cannot do any works. See, the Holy Spirit brought Paul to this point. It wasn't Paul just deciding, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this and, and this is about uh, me being saved and in and out of fellowship. He's telling you straight up that I cannot do what is right. He cannot do any works. He tried to do works, but he cannot. So then he says, what a wretched man I am. In other words, I am, this is my true condition and I realize it now. I realize it. He's no longer claiming that he was blameless as far as the law was concerned. A Pharisee of Pharisees. He knows, the Holy Spirit broke him all the way down to the point where he can now say, Paul now, what a wretched man I am. Just imagine that rich young ruler, where Jesus, he says, well, good master, what must I do that I might have eternal life? What did Jesus say? Well, why are you calling me good? There's none good with the, but the Father. In other words, you don't really think I'm good. Why are you patronizing me? And then the next thing he says, you know the commandments. So what does the man say? Well, the commandments. I, since I was a child, I've been keeping them. What else you got? So, so just imagine, has he been keeping the commandments since he was a child? No, he has not been. That no one. Paul said the same thing. He says, man, as far as the law is concerned, I'm blameless. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. And the Pharisees were known to be sticklers for the law. Now if he's telling you he's a Pharisee of the Pharisees, what he's really saying is, man, I've excelled even the Pharisaical 
strict law, uh, 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 view of their law of the law, and they had such a very strict view of the law that no one could even think about keeping that. Keeping that, you wouldn't even have enough time in the day. So he says here, after the Holy Spirit brought him to the place where he was ready to be born again, he says, "What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me?" from this body of death. And I love this verse because guess what? Paul's no longer looking at himself. He's no longer telling you his resume. He's no longer telling you about his accomplishments. What's he doing? He realizes who he is now and what's he doing? He looks away from himself. He's not promising God anything. He's not bartering with God. He's not, he's not inviting God anywhere. <laughs> he's telling them straight, who? will rescue me from this body of death. And then here's the answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now when it says thanks be to God, he's saying God the Father rescued me. That's who rescued him. God the Father did it. How did he do it? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no other way. Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. Well, the Father has planned a way to reconcile Paul to himself. The Father is the answer. The Father is the one who supplied Jesus Christ to Paul. That is the answer. That is the rescue. So that's what that verse means. Thanks be to God, God the Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's reconciliation through Jesus Christ. So, that is the process. Don't forget, regeneration, we just covered this and we're going to close. We're going to recap regeneration. What is it? The Holy Spirit creates in us a human spirit. And again, it means to be born again, born from above. And the, we, we covered the scriptures, John 1, 12, and 13, John 3, 1 through 8. And we've also covered John, 1 John 5 and 1. We've talked about um, that spiritual life it conquers the spiritual death that we have. It overturns it. Now, from death, we go to that new spiritual birth. Birth comes with travail. All birth comes with travail. Some more than others. Isn't that true? Some, some women, you know, they go right through labor, everything, and it wasn't that big a deal. Others, 20 hours of labor before that child is born. And some, just like us, it depends on how much the Holy Spirit has to break you down to the point where you see and you begin to see the true issues about the bad news. You look away from yourself to Christ. And as Paul illustrates as we went to Romans chapter 7, 14 through the end of the chapter, and we illustrated the, uh, the travail, the labor that it takes for a person to become born again. There's no works involved. In fact, it's the reverse. It means that you now have eliminated those very works that you've been depending on, relying on, trusting on to recommend you to God. And now you've discarded them and you realize it is all worthless. And you look to God for help. Who helps? God the Father. How does he reach out to us? Through Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's stand and we will close.